Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Got to say, I am joined by one amazing guest today, a very close friend of mine, Saisha Singh, a uh, young female entrepreneur in the wine and drinks industry. So something special there. Going to get to hear her insights and some of the challenges that she's found of being in that particular industry. So uh, listen out for her very soon. Been an interesting week and some great feedback from last week's monologue podcast where I didn't have a guest and it was just me talking. So I guess uh, a lot of you found that of quite interest so I'll be doing more of those and giving you some of my insights in terms of personal development, confidence, mindsets etc etc. What else have I been up to? Um, I was invited to be on Times Radio this week. They've got a series uh, of returning back to work and some of the challenges people have found uh, during Covid and the pandemic and how to deal with stress and anxiety. So I've been invited to be on there Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday night with Kate Borsay. So one episode down. I've got another one tonight, which would be the Saturday night, and then one tomorrow night, Sunday night. So I'll be looking to share that with you all next week. So let's go straight into today's guest. It's uh, Saisha Singh. She's a highly motivated and self-driven entrepreneur. She's commended for her values of discipline, integrity, and passion, and she's enthusiastically immersed herself in the launch and development of several brands in the spirits category. Having grown up with a family background in the wines and spirits industry, she's always been inspired by the finer details of each product, and this has led her to become fully immersed in this industry that she thrives in. Back in 2014, Saisha embarked on a master's degree program at Warwick University with the intention to grow and develop both personally and professionally. In what turned out to be a fulfilling curriculum, she discovered her love for brands and was particularly interested in further exploring the dynamics behind brand growth and success. With further thought and reflection as to where her unique ideas and creativity could be cultured, she undertook her thesis on the subject of how brand extensions can be successfully created. On the back of finding out that 84% of brand extensions fail, she focused on developing a new brand extension framework as guidance and support to encourage companies to work on as integrated systems. In doing so, this would promote interconnectedness between functions to promote the flow of knowledge and in turn enhance process and activities. An outcome that could realistically be expected would be a reduction in extension failure, accomplishing sustainable success and journey towards organisational excellence. This opportunity cut a clear path for Saisha to integrate her knowledge in her family business. As a seeker of knowledge, Saisha has been driven by her inspiration and passion to explore and understand the nature and dynamic shifts within the drinks industry. This commenced with the launch of an award-winning brand, Laplandia Vodka, in the UK. Along with this launch, she was a key contributor in taking the brand to 21 different countries. Saisha has been committed to achieving excellence through her constant dedication to exploring new ideas and concepts, which can be grounded into practical processes to achieve desired results. With her burning passion for brand development, Saisha continues to add to her portfolio by acquiring and developing new brands. She continues to utilise her knowledge, experience and emotional intelligence to find the most effective ways to primarily engage consumers and secondly, build an emotional connection between the brand and the consumer. Let's hear from Saisha now. Hello, Saisha, and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's wonderful. I know we've been talking about it for a while, so I'm glad we've been able to make the time. And um, as I introduced you, I introduced you as this uh, on- successful entrepreneur in the wines and spirits field. But you know what? I think you can probably tell everybody better about it than I can. So, you know, if you could just kind of 
you know, when I met you, it was about, what was it, about two years ago now, nearly two and a half years ago, I think. Yeah, Maybe we met at an event. Yeah, it was yeah. an event. And you were there because you were sponsoring the event in terms of your brand, Laplandia Vodka. So I guess before getting to that, I'd love to get an understanding of how you got into it. How did you get into business? Uh, well, um, in terms of the wines and the spirits um, and the alcohol side and the drink side of um, the world, my dad and his family have always been in it. So I grew up with the best wines around me, the best spirits around me. Um, but it was not something that I thought I would get into. Um, just because I think when it's around and in the family, you kind of take that for granted that it's just part of what your dad does or what your family does. Mm -hmm. um, but I was exposed to it at a very young age. And it was only really until I did my master's that I fell into this idea of um, how to make brands successful. And I actually did my um, thesis at Warwick University, which was all about how you can avoid or limit um, brand extension failure. Now okay. a brand extension is basically a brand extending into either a complete different market or just something similar to what it already does. Um, so I really fell in love with this concept of brands and what makes a brand um, successful and how it's so dynamic and how it really is about the personality of a brand mm -hmm. that captures an audience. And it was this that I got so interested in. And I was speaking to my dad and he was actually um, looking at different spirits at the time that he wanted to get involved in. And he told me, you know, why don't you come and use some of your expertise and see if, um, you know, this is a brand that I should associate our portfolio with. And so we went to Finland and I had a most amazing time, although it was double digit freezing cold weather, but we had <laughs> the best time of our lives because it was a real bonding trip for me and him as well. Okay. And it was here that I was able to actually utilize my knowledge and actually identify that I had an impact in this world of brands. And um, I think it was at this point that I also um, developed such an interest for the process. And it was almost like all this childhood exposure that was subliminally around me mm -hmm. all came together in that moment. Wow. And um, yeah, we just decided to get involved. And in fact, the partners really wanted me involved. And from then on, I started working on building um, the brand. I was going to say, I, I've uh, one of my previous guests has been a really good friend of mine, um, Senia Karpenko, who's a, a well-renowned uh, wine sommelier. And, you know, and I think I've mentioned it to you and I mentioned it to others. I don't drink myself. I've always had this uh, bad relationship with alcohol, I guess, um, not myself personally, but um, through family and, you know, as an upbringing. So I've always stayed away from it. But I know when I speak to Senia and listen to her and, and you especially as well, you're so passionate about it and the story you guys bring about it, it could turn somebody to drink, really. And I've said this to you so many times. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I wish I could actually taste what you offer because it's it, sometimes it's not the drink itself, but actually the story you're telling about it and actually the passion you as an individual bring to it. I mean, yeah. where does that play its part in the brand, I guess? Um, well, uh, for a long time, I was very much the the brand had the effect of my personality. So wherever you would go, people would meet you. And like you say, you'd 
you could almost those who didn't drink wanted to drink though I don't advocate I'm I'm a a type of person and and the family I'm in are very respectable and very aware when it comes to alcohol so we wouldn't um, encourage those who don't want to drink that they have to drink Mm -hmm. and we understand those boundaries and I think that really sets brands apart in understanding the importance of um, you know the risks involved with the product that we produce and that we supply. Mm. Um, But yeah, a lot of the personality comes from, you know, when you are meeting people, when you're getting people to taste the product, when you're explaining what it is and showcasing it, it almost takes a bit of you. But also having said that, um, a brand has its own energy. It has its own look, it has its own feel, it has its own taste. It is like its own entity, you know, in itself. And although aspects of that entity can mirror yourself, um, it's also an individual. And it's all, almost showcasing that to you in the best way I can. Um, but I'd also like to say, like, it's interesting because I have met, you know, those who've had bad experiences with alcohol. I was very lucky um, in the sense that my upbringing, my family, um, my exposure to alcohol was um, one that went in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. So I understand those who do have this exposure, um, it's it's not um, it's it's not been the most pleasant of experiences. Of I mean, my grandfather was the first one that would you know take his drink, and you know we would see the way in which he would take his drink, and mm-hmm. it was almost an art. So growing up, we would then see my dad do that, and. Um, you know, coming from an Indian background, the women didn't drink in our yeah. family. And I mean, this is something which culturally didn't happen. Um, but the um, relationship with alcohol was one of respect. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm very grateful for that because okay. today being a woman in this industry, um, having to taste and having to present alcohol, it's not the message I'm not giving is um, drink it and get smashed, which is yeah. a lot of brands, you know, drink it, get smashed, have a good time, forget everything, wake up in the morning with a hangover. <laughs> no, for me, it's more about the craft. It's about the how everything comes together, the, um, you know, symphony of flavors. Yeah. Um, and I think this is what the millennials also look for today is they're more aware of um, tasting notes and they want to taste something different but also enjoy things um, at a reasonable pace without affecting their health because too much of anything can be pretty bad Um, and that could be your relationship with food or anything in that spectrum so it's being able to have a balance and know exactly what you're taking and also go for high quality grade um, products of course. I mean, you mentioned there that, you know, you're obviously a lot of your target market is the millennials because it's it's the quality that they're after these days rather than the quantity. Yeah. Bringing that to you, you're quite young yourself. And not only that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but being female in an industry that's probably been male, male you know, predominantly male yeah. orientated, that yeah. must have been quite challenging for yourself. One, you know, one being a female, the other being relatively young. Yeah, um, it, it has been. Um, when I first embarked on it, um, my mum especially was, you know, she was my guiding um, light in the sense that she gave me a lot of confidence, whereas my dad was the one in the industry that was a bit more apprehensive with how I would 
be received because he was more afraid of, uh, you know, people taking advantage or, um, you know, me getting into situations which were uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, he was like that very worrying father, but my mum was very supportive and she was like, you know, you have to own who you are and you have your own personality and you have to let your own personality shine and bring something to the table that's unique to yourself. And she gave me that confidence. And I remember the first meetings, my dad would literally sit at the corner (laughs) really (laughs) far. He would, you know, he would place people so that I was never in a situation because he was so afraid of just letting me (laughs) into this world that he's been in. And he knows, you know, the, This world, yes, we're part of the entertainment, we're part of the hospitality. There's so much that can, you know, that can happen. Um, So he was a bit, he was a bit worried at first, but, um, you know, with time and um, me being also able to build my confidence um, and understand who I am and what my strengths are. Um, Because a lot of the time you can also enter this industry and, and you can get two types. You can get one type where, a female is um, almost uh, makes the situation a much more easier. The sale is easier, or it yeah. can be where it's very difficult, mm-hmm. especially being young, being female. Do you know what you're talking about? Yeah, and course. I've got I've had experiences of both, and then okay. sometimes I'd notice that if my dad comes in, then suddenly some would take them more serious, or sometimes if my dad comes in, it it would just ruin everything. So it was almost <laughs> like you have to kind of identify who you're meeting with and what's required. Um, but at the same time, it's also owning who you are. And that's awesome. something that I've been able to do over time with the right support. Again, support has been great for me. Um, coming from friends, coming from family, I've had that support to build my confidence of who I am and Mm -hmm. face to face with others um, I didn't feel that I was inept or unable that's good and that's um, good to hear I mean you know the guests I've had on my shows they've all talked about the great support network that they've had in terms of you know getting the success that they've had Uh, and they talk about mentors as well I'm guessing just from the way you're speaking I guess your father's been a big mentor to you any others yeah, I mean, my father, my business partners, but also, um, I must say, at university, I was very lucky because um, my mentor at that time, when I did my master's, he had such a long lasting um, impression on me. And he really, um, I think, gave me that ability to know that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you'll always find a solution, although always be a learning. He always yeah. taught me to see that failure. It, there's no such thing as failure. It's it's lessons learned. So that's where my mindset changed because I, you know, I grew up like if I made a mistake or if I did something wrong, I failed. Mm-hmm. And that's failure. And I'm and you know, especially in Indian families, they're like fail, pass. <laughs> you know, it, it's the, it's this thing that's like integrated. Um but he, at that point, he changed. And I remember when I did my master's, I was very fearful of failing. Mm-hmm. I did not want to fail. I wanted to come out with a, you know, a first class and I, you know, wanted to reach the tops and I wanted to develop. And he, in that moment, when I remember when I was doing that year and he, he told me, look, there's no such thing as failure. It's lessons learned. Yeah. And he really worked on my mindset. So 
whenever I come across a situation that doesn't work in my favor, um, it's identifying a solution, but also understanding that there's lessons to be learned for the next time I'm more aware. And it, it has been the case that when I, you know, when you look back, you can mm -hmm. actually say that, wow, you know what, had I not understood that at that point today yeah. when I needed it, I, I know the steps. So I know what I needed to identify in order to make this a success. Exactly. And it could be the smallest things. It could be as far as even drawing off a contract. Mm -hmm. You know, if I look at the contracts I drew up at the beginning yeah. to the contracts I drew up, drew up today, there's lessons learned no matter what. And from this point onwards to the next, there's going to be more lessons learned. So it's a continue continuation of learning yeah. and development. It's a great outlook to have. And, you know, it is this whole transformation from fixed mindset to growth mindset, a journey I've been through myself. Again, yeah. similar upbringing, you know, it is about those getting those great yeah, A grades rather than the effort. But I would say this to a lot of people now that failure isn't the opposite of success, but consider it as the stepping stones to success because it is learnings. And actually just try and remember fail as being an acronym for a first attempt in learning, something that's used widely these days. So it is something that needs to be done. And it actually quite topical. I recently just ran a course on building a resilient mindset for success and a lot of it covered. How do we transform from having a fixed mindset to having predominantly a growth mindset? And it's exactly that. It's about understanding yeah. that we'd never fail. It's just something that we've got to learn from. And I think it's critique, like I got so um, at that point in my life, that was a very, my master's was a fundamental to who I am and my journey mm. today, um, was to be able to receive critique. Mm. And to be able to actually like, I love it when someone actually can critique, like, and I'm not afraid to hurt my feelings or, mm -hmm. um, but to be honest, like, I don't like this for this reason, or I thought, you know, as long as you give me an explanation, yeah, I can yeah. identify where it's coming from and then I can make those changes or I can explain to you as to why those changes haven't been made. Um, but to be able to receive critique, I think is a big thing because especially when it comes to learning, because you're never going to be perfect. You're never, you know, in, in, in a moment, there is no such thing as perfection. We are always trying to improve on, you know, what we create and even to today like as i'm working on new brands and new products and i'm and i'm creating it's never gonna be perfect no. um but it's gonna be the version that i need it to be at that moment of course and i think it's just being okay with that um and when you're okay with yourself and i think when you're okay with um you know receiving different it's almost like i always see it as different perspectives mm -hmm. like someone's perspective is always going to be different to another's because they've got different sets of um, emotions, different um, ways that they've identified things, connected to things. So they're going to see the same situation from a different angle or the yeah, same product from a different angle. And I think that's beautiful because the mm -hmm. more angles you cover, the more you're able to actually create something which... Of course can reflect something positive to each angle yeah, yeah, and I know it sounds crazy and it probably sounds like really in depth in my mind this is how my mind works no but, but the thing is you're adopting what a lot of corporations these days are doing and it's about diverse thinking the reason they recruit for you know diversification you know they're, they're getting all kinds of genders uh, sexes or whatever races 
is because they want that diverse thinking and that they understand actually when we have diverse thinking, you're going to get something a lot better, innovative and creative. And I guess you're already thinking that as a, as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman and leader that actually your emotional intelligence is up there. Uh, you know, you're yeah. not having to develop it as much as maybe some others that who come in to grow a business, they know the technical aspects of it and then they need to work on their emotional intelligence. So actually you're bringing that into the business straight away. I think it's so important because today we're always at touch points with consumers, especially in my industry. So you have to, um, you have to identify that, you know, people are complex, but also a brand, like I said at the beginning, is its own entity. It has, it's, it's, it's like its own person. So in the same way, you're creating an emotional state for that brand. You're creating a physical state for that brand, a visual state for the brand. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a whole combination. I think that's what made me fall in love with creating brands is because it it was just an ability to kind of have that platform to create and manifest. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, before we move on to next steps, what are you going to do? I want to go back again because you mentioned that, you know, you never thought that you would kind of fall into the family business. It's not something that you would do. So I've been intrigued. I've been wanting to ask this question right from the beginning, but we've been having this conversation is um, what did you want to do growing up? What did you think you would do? <laughs> what did, I mean, funny enough, I've, okay, I, I, I was in a property management. So property management was something that I was doing, um, but I didn't feel so fulfilled in it. And I wanted to actually, I knew I wanted to go into marketing. So I was looking at going into things like, you know, Nestle and, um, health brands was what I wanted because I, I am an advocate for health myself. So I this is where I thought I would fall into working for a company and, you know, building what their dreams are and what they wanted yeah. to achieve. But and I was so set on thinking that I would do that to even a point that I thought maybe there was also a time I thought, would I be a consultant in this section, you know, mm -hmm. in brand development? Um, and then somehow my the opportunities came my way and you know it I can't um say that I didn't it didn't kind of it wasn't a culmination of everything I wanted to do all yeah. fell in like what I'm doing today I get you okay um, no it happens doesn't it we always set out on one journey and things happen things change you learn more about yourself and then you realize, well, actually, this is what I want to do. So, no, it's good. good yeah, and, in I, that sense. and I think it's also another thing to, you know, you're always changing. In the next 15, 20 years, I might do something different. You know, I don't know. Or next 10 years, there may be different aspects that I bring on. And I'm so, I've learned to become so open to opportunities that come. And actually, it's worth trying everything. Of you course, know, whilst no. you're young, whilst... Um, it's not even about young it's just once the opportunities come go for it because you don't know who who that who that's going to lead you to you don't know what the outcome's going to be you don't know what the lessons learned is going to be so you know you're always developing and changing based on I think different industries that you actually end up embarking on so what are your next steps in terms of business so for me it's just continuing um with obviously Laplandia and building that brand but I've also got other brands in the pipe work okay. um, which I've been really working on the creation of so that's okay. been really exciting um, and yeah for, for, for me it's pretty much getting it there and when things open up more so globally mm -hmm. um, you know putting 
the brands in uh, different locations and places and cities. And okay. um, I mean, COVID has made things difficult um, because as you can imagine, uh, we were in the bars and clubs and then suddenly you had to switch to mainly online mm-hmm. and now things have opened up again. So you're going back to, you know, promoting on that platform, but then there's fear yeah. that things will close. So it's, it's a turbulent time for us. Okay. Um, but somehow we've, because of the quality of the brand, we've managed to, okay. you know, keep things stable. I was going to say, how did you keep your head above water, I guess, during this uh, pandemic? You know, the pros was that people had more time to um, Google and research and, you know, they took the time to really try out new brands during this um, COVID time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that meant that we, you know, once we were online and we were able to gain more exposure on that platform, we actually realized that people were more willing to try. So the name started getting out a lot more. Um, So we're very... um, it's very we're very hopeful that now in the clubs and the bars and the restaurants that people would identify us a lot more quicker than they yeah. would have because they've had the time to kind of sit back and I think it's allowed people to not go for the the names that are so well known the household names but actually to try things different you know and experiment and find out what they like and almost own um their decisions which mm-hmm. was one of the challenges we i had when it came to the brand is because and also when it comes to the new, new brands that i'm launching is that a lot of consumers at the beginning were very much about what they know and what they've heard about yes you're getting a shift because the the millennials like to experiment more so mm-hmm. they're more willing to try things that are more niche and they're different and they're more based on the personality, what that brand stands for, where that brand's been, who that brand associates with. As before, it would be, okay, that's a well-known name. I'm going to get it. Everybody drinks it. It's in my, you know, it's in my radar. Yeah. So you're, we're all, you can almost see the differences in the, in, in the but, And I guess that, that's the one thing I kind of associate you, you with in terms of the work that you do is sustainable, ethical, you know, and looking after, you know, the the full cycle of everything. Yeah, our carbon footprint, even in terms of um, the manufacturing and the Mm. production, you know, in the fruit and everything that we used is is sustainable and it's used ethically. um, Mm. And we use all organic um, sources so that um, we are producing and we are giving the best that we can. And we're doing our part as best as we can in this whole thing. But I especially with the new products that I'm launching, I want to go into this a little bit more and have a little bit more of my, um, you know, foot in it and, um, you know, give back in the best way possible. Okay. So in terms of business, obviously you talked about, you know, it it being challenging, you being a female in in the industry and you being maybe younger than some of your peers. What are the challenges of what's been most challenging for you? What have you had to overcome in terms of the business and growing it? Uh, I think it's been getting its name out there, mm. you know, getting in terms of getting consumers to um, be repeat customers. Okay. As initially, it took a lot of, um, you know, me being there because like you said, um, and I think you've mentioned it, that you see a lot of the brand, me and the brand and the brand and me. Mm. 
And the danger of that sometimes is that people only want to take it if you're there giving it or you're, you're yeah. you know, it's a, you're in their radar and it becomes about you. And at, at some point that became really tiring because you can imagine mm -hmm. I can't split myself amongst so many people. And then that's not, um, that's not a wise business decision because, you know, people can't only buy it just if they see you or, mm. you know, you're in their radar. Um, so getting repeat customers was, you know, initially I had to go through the process of convincing, um, try it. I wouldn't even say convincing. It was more like try it, taste yeah. it. This is new. And let me now show you what you've been drinking and you tell me the difference. And yeah. I mean, we had a lot of customers that were like, wow, this is amazing. And I mm -hmm. can't believe I've been drinking this all the time, but this, your one is so much more better. Um, and then some would stick you know because consumers their their minds get filled with so many different things yeah. that they see so it's very easy to forget until they have an experience of something that they're like oh this is really bad why did i not go for what yeah you know i i had tasted that was much better and they own that decision mm -hmm. do you then get that repeat customer of course of course and, and then, so that has been challenging because it's not only down to me mm. it's also down it's down to me making that impact yeah and almost being that memory for them but for them to actually tap back into that memory when their choices are available of course and go, you know what i'm gonna go for that so some would go i'm gonna go for laplania because of saisha yeah you know the, just because of the relationship yeah okay, great, but then, <laughs> you know, are you always going to do that? Or some will go, they'll make that mistake of choosing Ciroc and they go, oh, actually, I didn't like that. I should have gone for the Laplandia. Now I'm going to always know what my choice is. And we, I do the same thing. Um, you know, I can see that in myself. I do the same thing. So I don't hold that against them, but it, mm. it is familiarity, that challenging. Yeah. yeah, a lot of familiarity. And I, and I guess, I suppose, the one thing I must ask you about then is when we talk about branding, I mean, with a lot of my clients, they're entrepreneurs, business owners, and yes, they're building a company brand, but we do focus on their brand as well, because in the end, people buy from people. Unless yeah. you're an entity like Coca-Cola or Rolls-Royce, you know, you're buying into the brand. It's a well-known brand. But in this day, of age, this day and age of social media, People want to see that story. People want to know the person yeah. behind the brand. Yeah. And that's what they buy into. So how do you, well, obviously that's challenging for you in terms of you've got a vodka brand, but you don't, you can't be the face of it because you're not, you're just distributing it as such. But then what about you, uh, your yeah. brand in itself? Do you know, I think we've had this discussion so many times and, and yes, I, um, guilty, <laughs> guilty as charged, I do need to, um, I have had a lot of people that were like, you know, Saisha, why are you not out there enough, like mm -hmm. where we can access you publicly? And um, I, I just, for my own uh, inhibitions, mm -hmm. I kind of put it off, even though I know I'm a great asset to the brand in terms of people do look to see the person behind it. Yeah. What are they doing? Where are they going? Uh, what do they associate themselves with? What knowledge are they parting? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think on a public, on like a social media platform, that can be really, really um, effective. Of course. Um, I've just, for my own reasons, mm -hmm. in my own head, kind of kept myself away from being which so is accessible. Okay. Yeah, but, but, but which is okay though. 
You know, but it's okay to be doing doing that though, isn't it? You don't yeah. need to be front and foremost. No, but it, it is something that I, I have over time realized that I have to now kind of step into that arena. And mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't ready okay. because I didn't want to be so accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my, you know, although I'm an outgoing person and when I'm with people, um, I have the greatest of conversations and I love listening to people's um, journeys and their, yeah. their lives and what they've done. And I can really empathize and, and understand but at the same time, I, I just wasn't ready to make myself so accessible to so many. Um, I, I kind of wanted to keep a bit of me like, okay, that's my work. And that's because I bring a lot of me to my work. So yeah. I, I, I don't say I have like a separate personality to who I am to my work. Sure. Some people, they have a different persona when it comes to different things. But I am who I am, mm-hmm. whether I am at work with you, whether I'm speaking to a customer I am the same person mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how I like to be because I believe authenticity you know of course is, is key um and I can't be who I'm not you know and so I I kind of I wanted to keep myself to myself but I am ready and I think with the upcoming work I've got you'll start to see me a lot more people can become very successful behind a brand you know, the brand becomes successful, that person then off the back of that can be successful. You know, you are successful in running the brand and running a business. Um, People would look up to you and see you as a mentor and inspiration. However, then there comes the next level, that next step up, where actually it's the the person I believe that comes out. Because what happens then is, when you're an entrepreneur, and like you said, you're always exploring opportunities. I can really see you with a portfolio of brands and actually what then comes across is you each will have its own person you know each brand each product will have its own personality and its brand but in the end they'll always see you as the figurehead they'll always say this is her portfolio and that's why they buy I mean you look at Richard Branson he's the figurehead okay yes he doesn't own every virgin entity but that's the association yeah you know what you're gonna get I think you're right in terms of the next stage Hmm. Um, because there's other things being added to the portfolio and because I think at this stage in my journey Hmm. um, I'm ready for it you know I'm ready to you know you're older wiser uh, more experienced uh, more settled in my life to be able to handle and um, you know give myself in the way I need to um, is at this stage I possibly not when I had just started because I was still learning about how to you know promote a brand how to make it stand out and like you know like you said each brand will have its own personality of course Uh, it is its own entity and you do become the figurehead which is you know this is what um is offered and there is a great responsibility as well being a figurehead um Mm. I believe and you know I guess I wasn't ready for that at, yeah. the, at the beginning, but um, now, yes. Okay. So I think you'll see me a lot more. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, I obviously I'm not expecting to see your like head on labels and stuff. But no, no, I know no, what you no. Mean. <laughs> no. <laughs> so okay, the one thing. Uh, well, one thing. Th- there's a section of the podcast I always ask that my guests is, um, what would you say your th- three key mental attributes are that have got you to where you are today? Mental attributes. Can I say positivity? Yeah, you say what you want. <laughs> you tell as long as you tell me why. Yeah, I think my positive outlook, um, because I've always 
tried to look at the situation whether mm. it could be perceived as neg- negative in that moment in in a, in almost a positive way like what could i what have i learned or you know i i sort of look at things that there's so many different roads or avenues that this one decision could have gone down of course you know i don't know if it could have gone we could have gone a lot worse or it could have gone a lot better but you know i can see the positives of where i am and i think that's that positive outlook and um, things happen for a reason people come together for a reason um mistakes happen for a reason and and i somehow with that positive outlook try and take out that control element i'm not a person that is controlling i uh, yes i like to make sure things are correct but i don't like to control a situation or control people because i hate it <laughs> so i i i tend to kind of know when to draw back and just let things unfold um so i think that um i am analytical okay i think that's helped me to be able to analyze um and again look at different perspectives yeah so to be able to actually step out of my my shoes into someone else's mm-hmm. has helped me see the bigger picture okay um so that has really helped in a situation um hmm third one mindfulness okay mindfulness tell me yeah. more mindfulness i think i'm i think that's helped me through relationships to be mindful mm-hmm. um and business is all about partnerships mm-hmm. so that's that's been really important actually to be mindful of um the other person the other person said of work even if i'm working with uh, a supplier Mm-hmm. working with a distributor is to be mindful of what their situation is even an employee what they've gone through maybe why aren't they um working well today or why what's wrong mm-hmm. and i i think my ability to empathize and mindfulness has really come together because i will then understand um the situation better of, of why that yeah. person couldn't um assist in the best way on that day or being even mindful of um when i'm meeting people and when mm-hmm. i'm giving back or when i'm even in the work that i'm doing whether i'm creating something is being mindful of how that's being received yeah. what message am i putting across and like we said brands are so important because they all you we do stand for our own message we have our mm-hmm. own personality um so i i've always found that m- being mindful has allowed me to tap into areas of my work and areas of how i conduct my business in a manner which is received positive because at the end of the day i want a more i want positive relationships positive experiences um and even if i find myself in an experience that isn't positive there's always a way to make it positive i completely agree i always try and look for the silver lining so yeah. you know and you're right and i always you know as part of my, some of the workshops i run i talk about mindfulness and uh you know to have a mindfulness practice and to be mindful really helps you become empathetic and actually yeah. being empathetic is great for building and establishing strong relationships so yeah. you know i completely get that um so Aisha, i've got to say it's been an absolute pleasure having <laughs> you on today it really has i hope uh, listeners get as much from it as i have in talking to you so just want to say thank you very much again for your time
Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, it's been, it's actually been so nice to actually sit back and actually reflect on the things I've done and actually look at my journey. But it's amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And that was my very good friend, Saisha Singh. Uh, she talked about mindfulness there and something I'm, I'm a big proponent of. I, I do firmly believe that mindfulness uh, can help you in so many different ways. And we talk about mindfulness and I think there's a big myth that it's a, a meditative practice where you've got to be sitting in a lotus position and uh, chanting Om. But really, it's any time that you can stop with intent and pause and be in the moment. And that's key, being in the moment with intent. So I always say, try and do some purposeful pauses throughout the day. And these could be just going out for a walk, you know, leaving the technology behind and just taking in nature, feeling your footsteps on the ground, noticing your breathing and just noticing the sounds and the scents that are in the air as you're out for a walk. And also when you're eating, uh, mindfully eat, you know, when you're having this nourishment, really taste every mouthful, notice the sensations, you know, as you bite down the crunchiness or the softness, uh, you know, the taste that's coming out and the scent. Being mindful of how you eat is a great way to do a purposeful pause. And the other one is we're always in front of our computers or laptops. So when we're powering on the machines or, you know, just sitting down at our desk, sometimes just do a body scan, just feel and notice the sensations in our body whilst we sit there you know the pressure points on our seat uh, as our feet are touching the ground as our hands are touching the keyboard or mouse just notice these sensations and notice your breath too and I do think that you know just adopting these purposeful pauses can, uh, can be such an advantage to your life and well-being in general. It's come to that time of the episode where I'd like to leave you with a clip from a movie. And this is from a 2006 film called Peaceful Warrior. Uh, Nick Nolte is playing the, let's say, spiritual guide to the gymnast, the protagonist of the movie. And um, I want to leave this one just there, but it's a short clip, but with so much value. And I think it's uh, slowly become one of my favourite clips of all time. I hope you enjoy it and I look forward to uh, speaking to you next week. I want to be able to do that. I think I'm ready. Ready for what? Devoting my life to a higher purpose. Really? Service to others, right? That's gonna be me now. I'll do whatever you think I should. All right. All right. I think you should continue your training as a gymnast. training you think I could do? I just had an accident. The accident is your training. Life is choice. You can choose to be a victim or anything else you'd like to be. Just ignore what happened to me. A warrior acts. Only a fool reacts. What if I can't do it? That's the future. Throw it out. Well, how would we start? There is no starting or stopping. Only doing. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, The Clear Coach. Oh,